Gadget Guy on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thanks very much to Lucy Milazzo for the last couple of hours. She'll be back with you Wednesday afternoon. Steffi Callister's here tomorrow from four. Welcome to the Gadget Guide. Yeah, welcome along to Gadget Guide show number 249 with the latest tech news. And then we'll look at what chat GPT, Google Bard and all the other AI platforms are and how to get started with them. But first of all, it's time to take a look at this week's technology news. And we'll start with a story you might have just heard there in the national headlines, uh, which is that the EU has approved Microsoft's Activision takeover. That, of course, is the opposite of what the UK regulator did just a couple of weeks ago. Yes, and uh, in the vote in the EU, the UK vetoed uh, that vote because the UK is still part of the European Economic area as far as voting for things like this so the eu competition board still has the uk sitting on it but yes the uk vetoed on that vote but of course uh, yes a couple of weeks ago um said no to it uh, for the deal to go ahead uh, the uk the eu and the us all have to approve it and the us already said no in december well that was the federal trade commission and um yeah that that sort of thing takes about a year to get through the courts so it's it's still a rocky road for Microsoft to to complete the acquisition of Activision. The EU was happy with some promises that Microsoft made to it, saying that all users would get um, ten years or something like that of uninterrupted access to the platforms and and basically not be locked out of anything. So there wouldn't be that that worry that Activision games would be withdrawn from things like PlayStation and so on. I wonder if this was a little bit where the case where it's easy to be the third mover here. Like it's easy <laughs> for the EU to say yes, it's fine, knowing that knowing the that the UK and, no. the, and yeah. the US have already said no. So, you know, if they were concerned, they could stay yes and stay best buddies with with, with Microsoft and Activision rather than having to look like the bad guy. Um, so, it, yeah, I'm I'm trying to decide whether it's all a little bit irrelevant the eu as a as a market is bigger than the uk obviously. and we should say this but Euro- european commission whole, rather yes. than european union yes. Uh, but yes uh, but europe as a whole um but also bigger than the us's market so it's it's interesting as to whether this could sway the other two to change their minds yeah, I guess, I, we'll I guess it's going see. to be yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, and of course, no doubt Microsoft will be taking this decision back to the US and the UK and say, look, they said it's fine. Why, why are you so worried? Yeah, I mean, they, um, they appealed the UK's decision already, so that's got to go through the courts in the UK. Um, yeah, you know, if if the UK flips to a yes, it's you know then two against one, so it's, it's yeah. We'll it is, but of course, uh, as we <laughs> said when we discussed this a, a couple of weeks ago, two against one is you know it's not a it's not a democracy at the, at the world uh, yeah. at the world stage because you know it, they whilst the EU market or the European market might be larger than the US market, they would certainly be very uh, unwilling, probably even unable to say, well, we just won't operate in the US. That would be <laughs> a commercial no-go. Um, and, and so you, you have to satisfy all of the, the major regulators. Is, you know, may, maybe if we were talking about you know, one individual relatively small market, you could say, well, you know, we'll, we'll sacrifice that. But all, all of these markets really need to, be, uh, need to be satisfied. Otherwise, you just can't can't operate as a business in them and of course having made an acquisition yeah 
it's changed the company. You can't say, well, the Activision bit's going to carry on operating in uh, in the US and Microsoft won't. Yeah. Yes, it, it is a, an all three or nothing, basically. So we will we will watch this um, spot and, and see what happens over the next probably year or so. Yes, uh, I suspect this is going to uh, going to run for some time yet on uh, on all sides. Um, ChatGPT. We're going to be talking about this properly in a few minutes' time, but there has been a, a major update from OpenAI, who are the uh, the Microsoft owned uh, creators of ChatGPT. Um, it's now got access to the internet. Yes, which sounds like a bit of a weird thing for something that's connected to the internet. But basically, the initial. Um, platform when it was released to the public um, only had access to information up to the uh, up to November 2021 so effectively they took a snapshot of the world as it was at the end of 2021 mid-pandemic of course um, and said right this is the world that you know everything from now on is based on that now yes. they've given it real-time access to new data so effectively it can now Learn it. Well, it, I'm, I'm it going to now, use the word now, "learn" in a very, <laughs> a very sort of hand wavy <laughs> sense. Here. Yeah. Uh, it it can now base its answers on newer data that yes. is out on the internet as of today. I think this is this is a bigger deal than maybe appears at first sight because not only does it, you know, it's not just that it's oh, it's going to be a little bit more up to date. Um, it now opens the possibility of distortion from its own output. So when ChatGPT was launched, there was nothing created by ChatGPT on the internet. That's no longer the case. People have used it for the last two years, and they've put the results of it on the internet. It can now literally eat its own dog food. And I wonder if we're going to start seeing things going around in, in circles a little bit, um, and ChatGPT training itself on itself. That could have some interesting results. Going to be interesting. But at least it'll now know that we have a king instead of a queen. That is true. Uh, heading into the world of security, uh, and this this was a, a big one that sort of um, grew and grew. Uh, Capita, which is a, a very large business outsourcing company, effectively you take a chunk of your company and decide that you don't want to do that thing anymore and, and hand it off to Capita in return for some cash. Um, they had a major cyber incident, um, which has resulted in a lot of data being uh, exfiltrated from their systems uh, by the attackers. And the the number of companies affected by this indirectly is growing. The latest one, uh, the university's superannuation scheme, which is the university pension provider for a lot of the UK uh, higher education markets, um, that outsourced a lot of its pension management to Capita. And as a result, whilst the USS systems weren't directly accessed, Capita Systems held those details of people's university pensions. That has now been potentially uh, potentially leaked, and uh, yeah, yes, the no no, di no yeah. direct risk to to your cash sitting in your pension, but it does mean things like your name, your date of birth, national insurance number. Um, if you're a U.S. citizen, then you know things like your uh, oh well, completely. Completely gone out of my head. The the, the sort of US um, uh, IRS number, yeah, uh, those sorts of things. Number. Social security. Yes, thank you. That's yes. the one I was going for. Um, yeah, those sorts of uh, personal details, personal numbers, has potentially been accessed 
obviously some of those are quite hard to change. You can't change your date of birth in the way that you can a password. Or your social security or national insurance number. Um, yeah, passport number, you can't even change particularly easily as well. But no, you have yeah. to wait another 10 years. Up to half a million people currently affected by this. Yeah, and this is yeah the, this is part of an ongoing trend that yes. we're seeing in the IT support and outsourcing industry, which is uh, that attackers are not just going over the the juicy targets themselves; they're also going after the companies that supply them. We saw this a few years ago with uh, with SolarWinds, um, a, a major IT software company. They got compromised, and that was then used to compromise all of their customers and. This is a, another another good example of that. Capita, you know, deeply embedded within a lot of large enterprises, um, uh, and what happens when they get breached? Something like this. Yes, yes, is a worrying thing. The the other most recent one was the three CX telephone system, and um, yes, yeah, some of their uh, supply chain was also compromised, which meant that their soft phone that you might run on your PC or your mobile device was compromised. Uh, and I, I think out. I then saw that that had then been used to compromise another supplier. Yep. And then compromise their their customers. So, it, you know, it's a, a very sort of deep rabbit hole with uh, with any of these attacks. But as usual, um, you yeah, know, do watch out for any uh, suspicious activity on your accounts. Do use a password manager. Don't use the same password on every uh, website, and uh, make sure you keep that nice and secure. Yes, yes, and just um, think about uh, checking, if you're in business, think about checking on your vendors a little bit more closely as well. Um, switching over to um, security updates uh, from Microsoft and uh, Windows 10, of course, we know has, has got its uh, end of life date pretty much carved in stone, about 29 months time or thereabouts. Um, but surprisingly, the latest updates uh, this month um, added a few um, small feature changes. Yes, we uh, we, we got twenty two H two, and alongside a particularly uh, particularly spicy set of uh, security fixes. So if you haven't done the 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 May the ninth, I think it was, uh, security fixes, do make sure that you do uh, do that Windows update button. And if you've got the the little. Uh, orange or red blob down in the, down in the taskbar next to the clock um, do give your computer a uh, a bit of a reboot um, but yeah we've now now got 22h2 that is that's the last feature version of of windows 10 isn't it uh, it is the last but we might get some more little bits and pieces they will still obviously be doing security updates right up until its end of life in june next year yep and uh, i think that if you're running an enterprise version, then you get a few more years beyond uh, beyond that. So if you're on a business PC, maybe not quite such a rush to uh, to move to Windows 11. But if you're on a home PC, perhaps time to start thinking about it. Check out that Windows update thing. See if your computer can already run Windows 11. It's a free upgrade if it can. Yeah, worth doing, worth doing. Uh, bear in mind, quite a chunky download. So uh, do make sure you have unlimited data for doing that. Uh, Moving on to sound systems that you might have at home, the Sonos wireless speaker system, which has been, uh, well, it's, it's over 20 years old now as a, as a platform, um, is withdrawing support for streaming audio files that you might have on your Android phone directly to your Sonos speakers, which sounds like a mouthful. 
Yes, and I suspect for most people this is going to be a minority use case. So this is, first of all, what this is not going to affect. If you use your Sonos for playing things like the Radio Player app or TuneIn or uh, Spotify or Google Music or Amazon Prime Music or any of those services, that is not affected. If you use it for podcasts, that is not affected. If you use it for playing things off your computers, that's not affected. What is affected is if you actually save your uh, save your music files to your Android device, then you won't be able to send those to your Sonos. Yes. I suspect that relatively few people do that. I mean, I've had a Sonos system since 2009. Um, Android, of course, was a fairly recent as, uh, additions to that. And... Um, I think the number of times I might have streamed from my Android device to the Sonos system is counted on one hand in all that time. Most of the yeah. time I'm playing from a streaming music service or a NAS or these days Bluetooth. Yeah, uh, and this is this is the answer is if you do have Sonos uh, speakers that are Bluetooth and many of their uh, recent ones are, you can still play over Bluetooth, can't you? So it's... You can still get your Android device connected to the Sonos speaker via Bluetooth, and I think that that still will work. It's the over-the-network bit that doesn't. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, uh, Sonos statement saying that to Android it's getting more difficult to do because Google are locking down the security. Uh, you can still sort of do it with Apple using AirPlay, but that is going away soon too by the sounds of things. Does Sonos support um, the sort of Chromecast type protocol? So the the cast to this device, because that that's always been my kind of fallback for uh, pushing things over to to Fire TV sticks and Chromecasts and and that sort of thing from an Android. Not really, but a lot of platforms that you might want to play music from, like Spotify. Support, support Sonos directly. So yep. in the Spotify app, when it's on the same network, it goes, would you like to cost this to your Sonos? Yep. And just works. So, you know, a lot of it is, is sort of integrated that way. Uh, and I, yeah, I suspect that for, for most people, they, they're simply not going to, to notice this. And from Sonos's point of view, it's one less bit of technology to maintain, one less bit of, uh, of stuff to, to fix when it breaks. Yes. Anyway, we'll, we'll see where that one goes. Yes. Um, heading over into social media now, uh, and this, this was a, a bizarre story. Um, a uh, Trevor Jacob, who's a YouTuber, um, has pled guilty to obstructing federal investigation, this is over in, in the US, um, for deliberately crashing his plane in order to get YouTube views. Yes. Now, I, I hadn't seen the, you know, the, the original video, um, and effectively what they've actually convicted him for is clearing up the crash site. So in other words, <laughs> removing it, removing the evidence of, of what happened. Um, but yes, he, he basically bailed out of his plane, plane crashed as a result, no surprise there, um, filmed it and, uh, uh, and put it up on, uh, on YouTube and it got 3 million views. Presumably 3 million views plus whatever sponsorship was in place was worth more than a, a plane. Um, I, I don't know the maths on this, but I assume that, that must have been uh, must have been true for it to be worthwhile. Um, uh, well, ad revenue and all the other ways of generating yep. 
money on YouTube, yes. Um, yeah, I don't, don't know how much I, you can get I, to support I remember plane, but... seeing this in the news when it happened because he, he did this back in 2021 um, and thought, yeah, that doesn't look like it's um, a genuine pro- because he he filmed it as oh my my plane's having a problem and I happen to have a parachute and you know yep. uh, that was good luck. Yeah, uh, it it looked a little bit suspicious from the outset and uh, yes, uh, uh, he has of course now come a cropper on that. Yep, and lost his pilot's license as uh, as a result as well. So uh, yes, not, it does make uh, you wonder whether good. YouTube will go. Yeah, we're taking some money back from you. Well, per, perhaps so, and it, I, I've, like I said, I've not seen the original video, but if, if it was in return for sponsorship, certainly YouTube are, are pretty hot on the, if you don't declare sponsorship, if you don't declare paid product placement, um, then then they do tend to, uh, to crack down on that a bit. Um, so if it wasn't obvious, then maybe there'll be some recourse there as well. Yes. Uh, moving across to WhatsApp, uh, the world's favourite uh, messaging app generally these days. Um, a new feature coming soon, uh, chat lock feature, which will allow you to lock specific chats in your WhatsApp with your standard protection on your mobile device. Ideally, things like biometric or password, biometric being most of the times a better option. Um, yeah, just to keep your privacy a bit better on your Pre- device. Presumably, uh, assuming that you've got a, a normal sort of phone uh, lock screen set, presumably the, the intent here is that if you lend your phone to someone, you know, you've yep. unlocked it, you hand it over in a restaurant or something like that, and they go into WhatsApp, they can't see those perhaps more sensitive conversations without then having to re-authenticate, um, Correct. You know, redo the fingerprint, redo the face scan. Hopefully at that point you'd realise that something's going on um, uh, and you can sort of grab your phone back or, or something along those lines. And I mean, it's very much the sort of tech that your banking app probably has where, uh, you know, you might log into your app with a biometric, but when you get to the point of doing a payment or a transaction of some sort, you get to re-authenticate using that biometric again to verify that you're still the one holding the phone, for example. Yeah, and the, the other good uh, good things about it are that, first of all, it will um, not show in any notifications. It won't show either who messages are from or the content of those messages. So again, if you're showing someone your phone and you get a, um, a message in one of those locked chats, it won't pop up in front of somebody who's potentially watching your phone. And also, it looks like they're considering adding the idea of a separate password. So you know, maybe you do have a password on your lock screen or you use a fingerprint or something like that um, and you share that with somebody else. Probably not the best idea, but the reality for, for many people, um, they're going to be offering the uh, ability to use a separate password for chat lock, which again is a good thing. It means you're not going to be entering that so often, less likely that other people are going to watch it over your shoulder, less likely that's going to get compromised. Yes, all security updates like this are a good thing. Very much so. Uh, st- sticking with uh, with social media for a second, um, Twitter have announced their uh, their new CEO. It's Linda Yaccarino, and uh, she moves over from uh, CNBC, I think it is. Um, so a very well is Sorry, N- NBC Universal. My my bad. Um, and she comes from a very strong sort of business advertising media background. Yeah. Um, Elon Musk, still very much in the picture. He's going to be moving to the role of CTO, Chief Technology Officer, um, where he's going to be 
overseeing the uh, the the operations of the the product from a, a tech point of view. Um, but Ms. Uh, Yaccarino is taking over as CEO. No doubt, Twitter seen a very large drop in advertising revenues. Looking to her to to try and recoup some of those losses, bring back that sort of greater commercial focus on the business. Yes, so we'll have to see if she uh, brings her t- um, ad and marketing savvy to the platform and uh, and helps grow those revenues so that Twitter can actually survive. Yep. Um, in uh, relatively local news, uh, Mike Lynch, he was the founder of Autonomy, uh, based out of the north of Cambridge uh, for, for some time. Um, he has just been extradited to uh, to the US. This is the criminal case that is very much uh, ongoing, has been for some years now. Um, over the accusation of him overinflating the value of autonomy that he got acquired by HP way back in 2011, um, HP then discovered that maybe, uh, maybe you know, the, the numbers were not quite as they'd been led to believe, um, and so those uh, those proceedings carrying on, and uh, the Home Office confirming that uh, Mr. Lynch was extradited to the US um, on last Thursday. Yes, I guess uh, we will see some uh, updates on the court case as it uh, goes through the US courts. Again, I suspect that is not going to be a quick process. No, no. And uh, then we'll lastly, go. lastly, in the US, uh, this is a bit of a creepy one. And, uh, you know, if the US is doing it, give someone five minutes and they'll come up with the same idea here. But a startup company in the US called Telly, uh, let's come up with original names, is offering a free 55-inch TV... Uh, to anyone who's Sounds prepared good. prepared to um, be uh, subjected to as much advertising as they can throw on the screen. Yeah. Sounding less good. Uh, a camera built into the TV to detect presence to know who's watching. Uh, even more sceptical. It's a little, <laughs> bit go- a little bit goggle box. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like the, it's not just sort of adverts on the main TV. There's a whole extra advertising bar underneath <laughs> underneath the speakers at the bottom. Yes. Is it, it's an interesting trade-off. I'd... It is an interesting trade-off. And basically they're saying, yeah, you can opt out of all of it, but you've, you've got to give the TV back or pass $500 for the TV. Um, so basically they're giving you a, free, a $500 TV. Um or what they're claiming is a $500 TV. The interesting thing is the analysts have gone, yeah, the same sort of TV you could pick up for three to $400. Oh, well, they've, they've got to pay for the extra hardware in the bottom to show you the efforts. <laughs> yes. So it's it's an interesting proposition. As I said, give give a, uh, a UK company a chance and someone will probably think that this is a good idea to do as well. I, I think, thankfully, this is where our uh, rather stronger data protection legislation may come into some effect, at least as far as the uh, the, the sort of person and interest tracking side of things go, um, if not the advertising itself. Yeah, you say that. I mean, we have already got the case of things like you can buy a uh, an e-reader from everyone's favourite online import, okay, a, a Kindle, with adverts. Um, oh sure, where, it's Am- not Am- the adverts Amazon. I'm worried yeah. about. It's it's the it's the tracking and yeah, the monitoring. The, the, the tracking and the monitoring, the camera and so on. That's a little bit creepier. But you know, uh, there, there's no details published by Amazon on what they're tracking as far as your reading habits on your Kindle is concerned. Just a thought. I, I assure it's, <laughs> I assure them it's nothing that exciting. Uh, we're going to be talking ChatGPT, Google Bard, and uh, Microsoft Bing Chat AI. All of that in just a moment. Cambridge 105 Radio. 
1960s Cambridge, the Rolling Stones performed at the Rex Ballroom, Chris Farlow was on stage at the Alley Club, and Helen Shapiro played live at the Regal Cinema. On Sunday mornings, John Gannon takes you back to the swinging 60s with music and memories. John Gannon's 60s scene, Sunday mornings at 8 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. So, you want to promote and grow your business? Well, here's an idea. Get it in front of more people with a city centre location. Get a stall at Cambridge Market. With thousands of local customers, a stall at our bustling traditional market is the perfect place to promote your business and your products to potential customers. Get a stall from just £10 a day. Visit cambridge.gov.uk slash markets to get your application started today. CKLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Sarah, one of CKLG's friendly tax advisors. Cambridge has one of the highest proportions of startups and early stage businesses in the UK. If you have an idea for a new business and are ready to get started, we can help you tackle the accounting, tax and financial challenges you will encounter. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists or visit our website cklg.co.uk cklg accountants your partner in business your partner in life cambridge 105 radio and people one night in heaven on cambridge 105 radio where you're listening to the gadget guide with rob and lawrence and well we're going to replace ourselves now with uh, some artificial <laughs> intelligence uh, well the artificial bit, certainly. We'll see about the intelligence. Yeah, so ChatGPT, Google Bard, Microsoft, Bing Chat AI, which is actually ChatGPT rebadged and rebranded by Microsoft. So I, I, I asked a few of them what they are. And ChatGPT, in its own words, said, ChatGPT is an AI model that uses deep learning to generate human-like text based on prompts from users. It is a member of the GPT family of language models and was fine-tuned over an improved version of OpenAI's GPT-31. ChatGPT is an AI chatbot that uses natural language processing to create human-like conversational dialogue. It can respond to questions and compose various written content, including articles, social media posts, essays, code and emails. And radio shows at this rate. Now, what this really means is you can say something to it. And well, I, said, it, I said, tell me about yourself in 100 words or less. Exactly. And what it, will, what it will do is come up with a response that looks and sounds like the next bit of the conversation. Yes. So it will look at a whole load of uh, stuff that has been out on the internet and that sort of thing. And it will say, where I've seen a conversation that starts like this, what does the next bit look like? Yes, and that's uh, all it does. It is, you know, it is not actually intelligent. You know, it yeah. doesn't know facts. What it does is carry on conversations. And I think the best, the best example I, I saw of this as an analogy, if you, if you want the slightly sceptical approach, is that it's a bit like mansplaining. It'll very confidently <laughs> tell you a whole load of rubbish. <laughs> And sometimes I mean, we, it'll tell you something quite sensible, but it doesn't we, know. It doesn't know when it's telling the truth, and it doesn't yeah. know when it's not. Yes, and we've got used to the. I think we're getting used to the idea of digital assistants giving us that sort of natural language response to our questions with 
you know, Alex A, uh, the Google assistants, uh, Siri, and so on, that are all able to respond to our questions with what sounds like an English answer. Okay, English, yep. we're talking English to it, but, you know, whatever language that you might talk to it, most of these are available in, in dozens, if not hundreds of languages. Uh, and uh, it, it can, yeah, as well as different languages, it can do different styles. So if you, I don't know if you've still got it open on, on your computer there, um, but if you said that same question to it and instead said, in less than 100 words, you could probably say in the style of a rap or in the style of a, a Heroku or um, a Shakespearean play or something like that. Yeah, it, it knows what sort of thing a Shakespearean play sounds like and it will come up with an answer that sounds like that style. Again, by looking at a whole load of Shakespeare's content or rap lyrics or Heroku's or... I, I have just actually done that, and it went, Oh, thou art curious about ChatGPT in the style of Shakespeare. It lost the plot a little bit after that, and it came out with very similar stuff, but then I said, and then it said, it finished with, I hope this response doth please thee. Uh, and and this, is, this is the sort of thing that it is very good at. It's, you know, this and Google Bard, we'll come on to in a second, is something called a large language model and, th and that means that they've got a huge amount of text so rather than putting rules in they're just feeding it a huge and we're talking phenomenal amounts of data of different examples of people speaking different examples of essays and social media posts and uh, and code and all of that sort of stuff and they're just throwing all this data together and saying this is what humans sound like go do some more of that please Yes. And that that's very different to to some of the approaches of uh, of machine learning. I, you you tend to sort of say, well, machine learning is is what the scientists call it, and artificial intelligence is what the people that do marketing call it, and, and they're the same thing. They're they're exactly the same thing. It's it's trying to make computers um, do things that aren't necessarily a very sort of defined set of rules, but instead tackle new situations they haven't seen before uh, and it's a different approach to to a lot of the ones that we've seen in the past that generates this this very free-flowing text but not necessarily with the right facts yes and when i asked the same question of of google bard um i got a sonnet in the style of shakespeare which i thought was quite cool very very good uh, so so google Bard, pretty much the same uh, it said, I am Bard, a language model, a creation of Google AI. I am trained on a massive data set of text and code and everything in between. I can generate text, translate languages, write different kinds of creative content and answer your questions in an informative way. I'm still under development, but I've learned to perform many kinds of tasks. I'm a powerful tool for creativity, productivity and learning. I'm still learning and growing, but I have the potential to change the world. It's worth saying, Google Bard not yet available in every country. No. And notably, none of the... I think it's available in something like 100 or so countries, uh, 180 countries, none of them in the European Union currently. Uh, it's working for me, so... We're not, We're in, not the in the European EU. Union. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this, this you is... You mean we, we've, we found one benefit of not being in the EU? We can play with Google you, Bard. You, you, I'll let you decide whether that's a benefit or not. Um, but it... A lot of the concern around this is from a uh, a data protection point of view. You know what what safeguards have we got on uh, on people's data that might be used for training it? 
uh, and this was why the the chat gpt development that we we talked about in the the news at the start with it now getting uh an updated set of uh of training data is uh, is very interesting um and you know also the the kind of implications on things like copyright you know if if google bard spits out an essay who owns that essay what happens yes. if it's one that's that's very similar to an essay that somebody else wrote what happens if someone submits that for their uh, for their school uh, homework or college exam or, or that sort of thing. You know, there, there's a lot of questions that we're going to have to yeah. uh, to to tackle as as a society because you well, can't well, uninvent this stuff. So what's interesting is on the on the flip of that coin is a lot of universities and higher education are now using this sort of technology to detect plagiarism and to actually spot people who have copied and pasted for their essays, which is is very interesting. Because, of course, it's very hard to, you know, it's very easy to say, has this, you know, been plagiarised? It's very much harder with any of these, particularly these large language models, to say, why do you think it's been plagiarised? Yeah. Because, you know, if, if the AI says, you've copied this, and the candidate says, no, I haven't, where's the evidence? I, I believe the systems in place at universities and colleges... Uh, will actually cite where it found the plagiarism for, and if it's for, a direct, for the assessors. It'll, it'll if it's go. a direct copy, then that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think the real risk here is if we get into the computer says no kind of territory where where we're, <laughs> we're purely letting um, these systems a language make, model. Decision, yeah, yeah. make decisions which are not then human-reviewed. I think yeah. to say, okay... The, the 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 AI model has said, "Hey, we think there's a, a, a greater than average chance that this this work's been plagiarized. Maybe you should go and have a look at that, and then yeah. have a, a professional human with experience and skills then say, oh yeah, actually that does look a little bit suspect. That's fine. I think where we allow the 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 system to make the decision without review, or where that system's decision strongly influences the humans doing the review i think that's where we get very problematic i think there's going to be quite a lot of discussion around the ethics of using ai and machine learning systems um at what point you know you can trust a, a model to do some work versus a human having a look at it anyway uh, google bard the third the second one in the list the third one bing chat ai if you've used the bing search engine uh, which is growing in in popularity, yep. surprisingly, yep. and um, and improving. Yes. <laughs> and it used to be uh, it used to be really really very much not as good as Google, and and now it's a much closer, <laughs> much closer race. If you've opened Bing on Microsoft um, Edge browser, which is the default on Windows ten and eleven these days, um, you might have noticed a chat option at the top. Now that's not chat with friends; that's chat with Bing. And this is effectively ChatGPT built into Bing natively. So I asked it about itself, and it basically said the same sort of thing about the fact that it being uh, ChatGPT version 4 with a large language model to do these sort of real text responses to questions that you can ask it. It also added that uh, you can use it on iPhone and Android with the Bing app as well. And and I think that yeah the, this is sort of the the next step of what people maybe expected a little bit to do uh, with their you know, digital assistants. So you know, where when they first got their Amazon Echoes and uh, and Google Homes and that sort of thing, because it 
interacted via voice i think there was this sort of expectation of oh it's intelligent i can have an actual conversation whereas at the moment at least things like the echo have a a very sort of reasonably well-defined set of if you say this then i will do that and there's some fuzziness around the edges you know there's three three different ways you can get it set a timer but but fundamentally it's looking for a set of trigger phrases this is now opening that up to be a much more natural uh conversation that that you can sort of interrogate for information and then i guess the skill then is refining it you know when your first question doesn't quite get you what what you want what do you then say to it to get the answer that you that you do need Yes. Anyway, after the break, we'll have a look at how you actually get onto these platforms, besides just going to Bing. Uh, We'll talk about BARD and ChatGPT and also the costs of using them. Cambridge 105 Radio. Wednesday evenings on Cambridge 105 Radio is when we champion the Cambridge music scene. Tom Lumley of the band, Tom Lumley and the Brave Liaison. There'd always be 12 people from other bands going down to each other's gigs. And it wasn't just be part of Hollow Stars Classic Rock or Searching Ray's Indie. These people then started going to watch all of our gigs, singing the words to each other's songs and making it a good atmosphere. You could see it in the fact that it went from struggling to sell enough tickets for the corner house to selling out J2. New Music Generator with Tim Willett, Wednesday at 7 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. An estimated one in five of us has had suicidal thoughts, but no one wants to talk about it. If someone is suffering, they're not going to pick up the phone and come to you. They're not going to knock on your door. You have to go to them. Asking about suicide won't prompt someone to kill themselves. In fact, it will probably help. If you knew someone was vulnerable, would you ask directly about suicide? I have been able to say on a couple of occasions, are you feeling suicidal right now? Both times they've said yes. And as I've said before, it's almost as if it's the first time they've probably admitted it to themselves. Learn how to have a life-saving conversation at stopsuicidepledge.org. Make a pledge and sign up for a Stop Suicide training workshop. I'd ask, would you? Nick Wohm's Professional Painting and Decorating Services is your local award-winning decorating business with a great reputation. Our professional and friendly team can cover all aspects of decorating for domestic, commercial and industrial properties. So whether it's a bedroom makeover or an entire office block that needs repainting, we'll get the job done on budget and on time. Check us out on Facebook or Instagram at Nick Wohm's Professional Painting and Decorating Services to see pictures of our work. Or call us today on 07794 516 291. Cambridge 105 Radio. Kim Carnes, Betty Davis Eyes here on Cambridge 105 Radio, where you're listening to the Gadget Guide, and we are talking. Yes, it's us, real in the flesh, about artificial intelligence and Google <laughs> yes. Chat. Uh, sorry, Google Bard and ChatGPT and all of that uh, collection of stuff. So, how does how does this actually work? Who who owns what in this in this field? Because so, it's obviously moving very quickly. Not asking an AI, but OpenAI is an American AI company, a research laboratory. There's a non-profit arm and a for-profit arm. Uh, so very similar to things like our very own Raspberry Pi Foundation, where they have a commercial entity that does the making Raspberry Pis and 
selling them, but a non-profit arm that is about getting them into schools and, and developing the education side of things. OpenAI are very similar to that sort of model. Uh, the original uh, non-profit founded by a lot of big names, including the likes of Elon Musk, um, so interesting he's thrown his name into that hat on the board. Microsoft threw some money into it, about a billion dollars <laughs> uh, in 2019, and a further 10 billion this year. Yep, so and, just uh, a little bit of money. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're. A, I don't think they're necessarily a majority stakeholder, but certainly yeah, one of their strategic partners. Um, and as a result, you're seeing that OpenAI's technology is being baked into Microsoft Azure, which is the the sort of uh, IT hosting platform used by a lot of companies, and also into Microsoft's more sort of consumer facing products like Bing and, and ChatGPT very, itself. Very similarly, the Google Bard product is starting to make its way into all of the Google platforms. So we're seeing stuff appearing in Google Mail, Gmail. We're seeing stuff appearing in Search, very similar to Bing. But also that sort of idea and technology is moving into things like photo editing to allow digital manipulation of photos a lot easier. You know, tell tell a, a bit of technology, please do a thing to my photo and it can do a best guess. Not necessarily as good as a good photo editor, technology can be a quite, lot quicker quite effective um and then into things like google maps you know show me better routes and so on using these models that it, it has learned about mapping uh, and similarly you know we're seeing this in desktop productivity tools so microsoft's word now has uh some machine learning smart completions you might say if you start typing a sentence it'll almost auto complete it for you but much more intelligently than it used to in the past um and similarly google bringing similar features into google drive so if you could use the uh, the google suite of uh, uh of sort of spreadsheets word processes and so on you might see yeah. these uh machine learning ai features coming into it it of won't course, be long before Outlook then sends your email for you. Pre pretty much, it's already got or smart or responses. Deflames de it before you send it. <laughs> uh, ChatGPT, of course, is free to get started at. Uh, there is also their Plus offering starting from about £15 a month. And if you're a software developer, there are a bunch of APIs. This is ways that you can build this OpenAI technology into your products. That's all we've got time for today. We'll be talking about the latest announcements from Google I.O. 2023 in a couple of weeks' time on the next Gadget Guide. The Gadget Guide on Cambridge 105 Radio.